0: Turn please in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, verse 46 to 47. Acts chapter 2, verse 46 to 47. just want to really lay down a strong foundation with regards to this because this is where we're going as a church. Uh, we want to have a very strong community culture. Amen. And we want to master the art of multiplying community. Acts chapter 2, 46 to 47. Is everyone ready? Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. That's the equivalent of a church gathering like this, right? Then it says they broke bread in their homes. So their meeting place was not just in the temple courts. Their meeting place was also in their homes. And that's one of the tests of community. To what degree are you inviting people into your home? I don't care what your sofas look like. I don't care whether you've got that new carpet you've been longing to get for the last three years. You know there's some people, they don't invite you to their home until they feel their home is perfect. Yeah? No, wait, lovey, we are waiting for that new sofa. No, 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 no. we can't invite people yet until I get my new k right? You hear people speaking like that everything has to be perfect but here it says they continued to meet together in the temple courts and then it says they broke bread in their homes and ladies and gentlemen it's time we get over ourselves we're not trying to portray some great image of perfection amen of this is me this is my level of wealth and my status we invite people into our homes and they see us just as we are They accept us just as we are, amen? And so we see here, it says, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So we see a number of principles here. They had big meetings and then they had home meetings but they were still expansive. In other words, they were growing on a daily basis and people were being added to that community whom they didn't even know from before. You see, the type of community we're talking about, the type of community we wanna create, is not a holy huddle. It's not a kind of thing where it's us for and no more. It's not a thing where it's a high school reunion, me and my peeps, me and my boys, and it's just us only all the time. We're talking about a group that is ever expanding. There's a principle in the kingdom of God called the kingdom principle of increase, right? Kingdom increase. The kingdom of God is always increasing. The kingdom of God is always expanding. So if you're in a small group right now, the goal is always to grow. Amen? Always. The goal is always to grow. Some people say, no Paul, no, Paul, it's about quality. Let me tell you something. Wherever there's quality, there ends up being quantity. When we're talking kingdom, wherever there's quality, there ends up being quality, quantity. Why? Because people are attracted to quality. Amen? Amen? And so they had big meetings, but they also had home meetings. They were expansive and inclusive. So don't let your sofas stop you. From having a home fellowship amen Amen. I think in the church there's too much impression management where everything's about let me just you know try and manage impressions you will like me more if you see me dressed like this you'll like me more if you see I've got this type of food all we are doing is we're enabling a culture of performance By doing that, that mentality, we're enabling a culture of performance and we're passing it on to our children. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. Want to look in the Word. It's the Word that transforms us. Amen? Many people want to be transformed by going to this place, going to that place, Hiring a prophet, right? But we are transformed by knowing the truth. Jesus said, therefore you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. You want freedom this morning, then know the truth. Amen. The truth you don't know won't set you free. You have to know it. Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds so people don't just love people don't just do good deeds we need to be spurred on to do good deeds and to love and that's what I'm doing this morning I want to spur you on to love and good deeds then it says not giving up meeting together how many of you know that meeting together is something you can give up there are many people who have given up the habit of meeting together amen There are many people who've given it up. It used to be a habit. When they grew up, they would go to church consistently. They would go to church gatherings. They would go to small groups. But something happened. Life happens. And at a certain point, people give up. They give up. Now, watch this. It says, Do not give up the habit, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. How many of you know that coming to a church service is a habit? For some of you, you got up and you came here this morning because that's what you do on Sundays. It's a habit. Some people will say to me, oh, you know what happens? Uh, During winter, it's difficult to come to church. So as a pastor, you begin to know that people drop out of church during winter. What a lot of people don't understand is a lot of people who drop out of church during winter never come back. They don't actually come back. Why? they've given up the habit when it's difficult, and then come September, they're already in another habit, and they've dropped out of church. And then come January, when they're doing their New Year's resolution, have you noticed how church is always full in January? <laughs> and then the same cycle begins the following year, where you then see this decline of, in numbers. And as we get to winter, those same people, have, it's, the numbers have petted out, amen? So it says here, and I think it's very powerful, it says, not giving up meeting together, and it's not just talking about a church service, because remember, they met in the temple and also in their homes, as some are in the habit of doing. What are your habits? But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So meeting or not meeting is a habit. That's a principle. It's a habit. Another principle, it's easy to give up when it comes to going into deeper community. It says, do not give up. It's easy to give up, and I'm gonna unpack this morning why we give up community. Why we say this community thing, and in fact, deeper community, it's too difficult. I'm giving up. We also see another principle in this passage that we need to be encouraged to love and do good deeds. We need to encourage each other. And I find it interesting because the doing good deeds is in the context of community. I also see something interesting here. The company we keep can either encourage us or cause us to give up. You see, if you surround yourself with people who spur you on to good deeds, who spur you on to love, you become more loving and you do more good deeds. Amen? If I surround myself with the right people, I end up doing things that they do. If you surround yourself with people who are generous, you end up very often being generous unless you're just the recipient of their generosity. oh thank you, oh thank you. But typically when you surround yourself with people who are generous, you're spurred on. How many of you at the end of each month in this church when you hear someone saying, oh, I'm going to buy groceries, right? For our, for our Go Outreach program, it spurs you on. You're like, ee, what about me? I haven't thought of that, amen? Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, I'll show you your future. One of the keys to being a successful person is your habits. People who are healthy and fit have different habits to those who are not. Amen? Simple as that. People who are healthy and fit, the moment they wake up, they put their trainers on. They put the gym kit on, don't they? People who are unhealthy and unfit, what do they do? The moment the alarm goes, they're in a habit of... moment the alarm goes off... Pressing the snooze button. My question is what are your habits right now? What are your spiritual habits? I'm talking about spiritual daily habits Physical daily habits and social habits I mean if you know we have social habits for some of you. There's certain things you do on a Friday night I've seen some people they get saved But Friday night is still the sacred night for certain things that they did when they were in the world Why? It was a lifestyle it was a habit amen so when we say come we've got this church activity on Friday night for them Friday night is sacred for something else amen Amen. so the company we keep can either encourage us or cause us to give up Romans chapter 16 verse 17 I urge you brothers and sisters, to watch out for those who cause divisions. To do what? To watch out for those who cause divisions. So this is a serious thing. And put obstacles in your way that are contrary to the teaching you have learned. And what does it say we must do? Keep away from them. I did a series some time back, some of you will remember, a couple of years ago, a few years ago, on alliances. And I think some people were surprised how many scriptures tell us to keep away from certain people. And here it's talking about keeping away from what type of people? People who do what? People who cause divisions. And the interesting thing about this is that Here we see Paul is so passionate about this as he's writing to the Romans that he won't just say, hey, just tell them to stop doing that. Hey, it's not nice. He actually says, keep away from them. This is how passionate he was when it came to building deeper community. And here's the interesting thing. When someone causes division, it's not just by saying, oh, yeah, you know what? Don't associate with that church and, oh, they're terrible. Sometimes it's that person you listen to who gossips. Amen? It's just gossip. It's just slander. And we become so used to it, but the Bible here says, keep away from them. As you go home today, ask yourself, God, who are you telling me to keep away from? Because there's some people who might be affecting my destiny. And there's some people who are destroying and eroding that sense of community that we want to build. So you all in agreement with me this morning that God values community. He values it so much that He actually instructs us to keep away from people who actually destroy community. That's how passionate He is about it. Right? And community comes in different forms. Right? We meet, yes, in a church building on a Sunday like this where there are a lot of us. But for many of you, you can raise your hand and say, but I don't think anyone here knows my name but when we get into community deep at a deeper level we meet in our homes i want to ask all the small group leaders to please stand where you are all the small group leaders and even small group leaders who are we're going to be starting next year also please stand Lysias, please guys small group leaders look at them look around guys who are going to start next year and we've got more more groups that are going to be starting up okay you can you may sit down Guys, you may, you may talk to these people and say, you know what, I want to do life with you. I want to do life deeply with you. Amen? So we all agree that community is so important. So my question is, what are those things that destroy community? What are those things that block us from going to a deep level of community? I want to give you this morning 10 things. 10 things that block deeper community. Is that Okay. Ten things that block deeper community. And if the shoe fits, please wear it, ladies and gentlemen. Please wear it. Number one, the independent spirit. The independent spirit. We're living in a time where secular humanism is rife. And the humanistic gospel is the one that basically says, it's, it's just about me. Me, myself, and I. And it's self-worship. And it's prevalent in Western culture. And it's infiltrated this continent in a massive way. And so the most important thing is self. And if someone is a self-made something, then that's just the pinnacle. So you hear people saying, I'm a self-made billionaire. I'm a self-made millionaire. I'm a self-made this, I'm a self-made that. And everyone admires it and they look and they say, wow, he did it all by himself. Isn't that amazing? Now, Romans chapter 12, verse 4 to 5 says, for just as each of us has one body with many members, just as each person here has got one body with many members, right? Got hands, eyes, feet, tummy, etc. right?" And these members do not all have the same function. Does a hand do the same thing as an eye? Can I see with my eyes? Well, let me check you out. No, I can't, right? They have different functions. So in Christ we, though many, form one body. And each member, who's a member here of the body of Christ? Who's a member of the body? Well, here's the thing each member belongs to who belongs to all the others welcome ladies and gentlemen to biblical christianity i belong to you you see we like to emphasize those of us with an independent worldview like to emphasize the fact that well i belong to christ i don't belong to anyone no one owns me but you know that that's actually humanistic You see, I belong first to Christ. I gave myself first to the Lord. And then he gives me as a gift to his body. Amen? And if you look throughout the word of God, you look throughout scripture, what does he say? He says, he gave gifts to men. And when he was talking about those gifts, he's talking about people. Because he says, first apostles, second prophets, then teachers, those were people. He's not saying he gave gifts to men. He's not talking about he gave spiritual gifts to people. He's saying he gave ministry gifts to people. First apostles. So he gave us to the church. Amen? And when we've got that mindset that as the body of Christ we belong to each other, then we make ourselves available for each other. Amen? Imagine if my brain says, arm, pick that up. And then my arm is resisting. Then my arm gets passive-aggressive. Nah, I don't feel like it. That'll be a bit of a problem. Amen? Think about it the next time you start cooking. Because your body is so coordinated when you're cooking. Why? There's an understanding with the physical body that each part belongs to the other. Amen? I thought of an example, but it was, it's a bit gross. It's, it's toilet humor, so I won't say it. I'll say it. I'll say it to my wife at home afterwards. I can't say it when I'm preaching. Right? No, I can't. Uh-uh. I know some people are like, go for it, Pastor. Just go for it. We're not religious. Just go for it. Like nah, this one, I can't say, guys. Okay? But our different body parts help each other. Amen? Okay. So each member belongs to all the others. If you're bound right now by an independent spirit, that thing needs to be broken, needs to be broken. Oh, I did it myself. Oh, I wanna show everyone that I'm a self-made man. Number two, stinginess. Stinginess. You see, you can be stingy not just with money, but you can be stingy with your time, amen? And some people have boundaries that are too rigid. How many of you know that when it comes to having boundaries, There's what we call flexibility. You see, the goal is not just to have any type of boundary. On the one extreme, you have rigid boundaries. That's not what we want. On the other extreme, you have collapsed boundaries, and that's not what we want. We want to have healthy boundaries, amen? That's what we want to have. Sometimes people are stingy. For some of you, life has happened to you, and as a result, you've become stingy. Acts chapter 4, verse 32, very powerful. It says, All the believers were one in heart and mind no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own but they shared everything they had isn't that amazing now is this scripture saying no one owned anything it's not saying that it says no one claimed anything as their own in other words in the early church they had the stewardship mentality the mindset was everything i have belongs to the lord so if your mindset is this home we have god has blessed us with it you're then more open with what you do with your home because your mindset is i'm a steward over this house god was the one who blessed me with it does he want me to welcome this person in i'll welcome this person Don't just welcome anyone, because there's some people who are dangerous, dangerous for your kids, amen? And that's where the boundaries kick in. But they had a stewardship mentality. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. How many of you know that you can't get into deeper community if you're stingy? Because you'll always be worried, what do these people want from me? Do these people want to use me? And you'd rather avoid them. How many of you know, there's certain people right now in your life, you avoid them, don't you? And your mindset is, what does this person want? How many of you, when the phone rings, you're thinking that? Oh, someone else who needs me for something, who wants me for something, who wants something from me. Stewardship mindset. I shared with you last week that kingdom wealth is not about ownership, it's about stewardship. It's about God placing you in a position in the spirit where he's saying, you know what, I can now entrust you with more because you've been faithful with the little. Amen. Number three, a superiority and inferiority complex. A superiority and inferiority complex. Some people think that an inferiority complex is okay. No, that's something to repent of because it's a form of pride. Why is it a form of pride? Because it doesn't agree with the truth of the word of God. Amen? It's the same with the superiority complex. This is the mindset that I am better than you. I'm a better person than you. The moment you start thinking you're more godly than other people, just remember we tend to judge ourselves based on our intentions and other people judge us based on the impact of our behavior. The moment you start getting spiritually proud Because of a certain area of spirituality that you're proud of, just remember that there are other areas that you are weak. Amen? There's no one person who's got all areas covered. So you might think you're very good at praying and fasting, but maybe there's a spirit of greed that harasses you from time to time. Everyone might be thinking, oh, he's so prosperous and such a good business person. God is looking and heaven isn't applauding because they see the spirit of greed in your life. Amen? Maybe you're really good and you're so disciplined and, you know, very good all around in so many ways, but you've got a problem with impatience. And God is just looking and saying, oh, this person is impatient. Everyone around you looks and they see you as super organized, you're on time for everything, but God looks and is like, this person needs to deal with their levels of patience. Amen? That's why the Bible says, blessed are the poor in spirit. What does that mean, poor in spirit? Blessed are those who see their spiritual condition as it is. Blessed are those who are not conceited. What is conceit? When you think of yourself more highly than you ought. Amen? So when we have a superiority complex, it actually affects deeper levels of community because it affects the way you relate to people. You become aggressive because you've just got no time for anyone around you. Like, hey, do they know who I am? Because I'm superior. Hey, how come they kept me waiting? How many of you know that one of the marks of humility is you're willing to wait for people? How many of you know that if you go to a specialist, how many of you have ever been to a specialist doctor who's well known in the country, do you have a problem waiting for them for 15 minutes? Do you have a problem waiting for 30 minutes just to see them? You don't have a problem, why? Because you've positioned yourself aright in relationship to that person. But the moment you think you're the specialist in everyone who you relate to, with regards to everyone you relate to, guess what, you'll be very impatient because you'll be thinking, do they know who I am? Do they know how important my time is? Everyone else's time is also important, not just yours. Are you following me this morning? All right. So we see here there's a superiority and there's an inferiority complex and neither are good. The Bible tells us in Romans chapter 12 verse 16, live in harmony with one another, do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Be willing to do what? To associate with people of low position. What do we mean by low position? Who's of low position here? You know what's interesting about life? When you're truly humble and broken, you see yourself as being of low position. Do you remember the guy who was praying the Pharisee? Lord, I thank you that I'm not like all these other people. And then the tax collector, Lord, I'm not even worthy. Amen? Very often, my posture towards you as a people, you as a church, I look at some of you and I'm like, wow, these people have stuck with us for a long time. My mindset isn't like, yeah, they're lucky to have me as their pastor. Yeah, they must be more grateful. Amen? Amen? Sure, those guys, they sit through and listen to me speaking for an hour, an hour 10, an hour 15. Lord, thank you. It's a privilege. Can you see the difference? When you, when you have a superiority complex, you'll be upset with everyone in your life. Your wife will never be good enough. The church has gone very quiet. I'm obviously scratching where it's itching. Your husband will never be good enough. Me? Uh. Uh-uh. Do not be proud but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Now in those days there were obviously people of low position. People who were deemed to have a low position. People who were seen as the out, people out on the outskirts, the lepers. But remember when Jesus touched the leper? He wasn't touching the leper just to heal the leper, but he was showing acceptance because no one would touch a leper, amen? Who are the untouchables in your society? Who are the people who are deemed as they are the low level people over there? How many of you know that that speaks to our value system, doesn't it? It speaks to our value system I know certain people there's one friend of my my, my wife um, and they cycle together and one of the things about this person in my uh, trace came and she was just saying wow I love the way she just talks to anyone you know she's the kind of person where, while they're cycling she'll have like bananas in her bag and she'll be like I need to stop at that particular robot there's that particular beggar I've promised him some food And she'll just talk and she'll just connect. And have you noticed that the people who are down to earth and humble in that particular way, very often they don't get attacked. But it's the people who are like, oh, oh, look at all those people. Often they're the people who get attacked. But the people who are amongst the people, very often they're just seen as insiders. Now, can I explain to you the psychology of that? When we talk about collectivism, collectivism on the African continent we have what we call a collectivist culture. In other words, we we value the in-group more than the out-group. That's why on the African continent you'll find that people will boast about how they stole from that foreigner over there, but there's a sense of shame if you steal from your own family. And somehow there's a mindset where it's okay to do something horrible to those outsiders over there, but not the insiders. So just be an insider okay but the point is be willing to associate with people of low position are there certain people who are beneath you we need to break this this church is not going to be a church for the nouveau riche you know how in routing there's old money and new money and there's and, and there's the old money suburbs you know, if you go to Joburg, as you go to the, to the city center, they, they, you have the old money, right? And then you go to the north, there's the new money. Dainford is new money, guys, all right? Anyway, I won't go there. This church is a church for all people. Amen? Amen. Don't walk into this church and um, see someone next to you wearing a nice jacket and then think, oh, there's no place for me here. I speak to a number of people, and one of the main reasons they struggle coming to church, or well, the reasons they give, they say, "But will let me first get some clothes to come to church with." Amen. Never make people feel excluded because of what class you deem them to be in. Amen. So, what, are, what is the first thing that blocks community? The independent spirit, what's the second thing? Stinginess. What's the third thing? Yeah, don't have an inferiority complex. I say to people, where do you see yourself in the next 10 years? Oh, in that corner office, Pastor. Okay, do you talk to those people? "Eh, No, they're in another league. Those people, to talk to them. Ah, no, I've got my boys, I've got my boys you've got an inferiority complex, you've just shown that you idolize people because of their wealth and their status, that that thing is an idol for you because you're afraid of it. Why are you afraid of it? Amen? If you find that you act different when you're with different crowds because of their status, it tells me that there's something inside of you that has exalted that thing. Amen? Don't have. inferiority complex don't think to yourself oh because someone has got that skin color or that surname or they are lighter than that person they are more superior come on we live in South Africa right why is it that um, you know I mean I have spoken to friends of mine from Cape Town right Um, so-called colored people right and they'll tell me about how when they were growing up they would just they could just smell the the hot comb, you know the hot comb? Straightening, what is it called? Hot iron, right? Stretching the hair to make it straighter. Because the mindset was the straighter the better, right? And sometimes I then see certain people with curly hair over the weekend, and I'm like, your curly hair looks really nice. What's wrong with it? Why do you always have straight hair during the week? Now it's fine if you prefer straight hair. But sometimes we've got this mindset that comes from the past in this country. Black people, can I say black people? I of black people. Black people, skin lighteners, oh, skin lighteners, skin lighteners, let me lighten. Why is it the lighter the better, why, where does that come from? That's fine if you think you look nicer, lighter, I'm not judging you. But unfortunately we come from a past where we've internalized something that was socially constructed. Amen? We've internalized it into us and there's almost this mindset of if I look more like this, if I look more like that, then I'll be accepted. There's a reason God made you how he made you. Embrace it. Enjoy it. Amen? One of the sad things is power distance in our cultures, and this tends to hinder community. We see some people as superior, so we keep away from them. Yet those are the very people God wants to use to mentor us. Why is it that you can only be open with your friends about certain things, but you can't tell someone who's quite a bit older than you those same things? It's what we call power distance. Power distance where those with power are out there and those without are here why is it that culturally when you then meet your miss Wright or mr. right you can't openly talk to your parents about it and your parents are the last ones to know yet they're the ones who are supposed to instill those values to you and don't tell me oh no but yeah in our culture that's what it's like then we have to change our culture amen, amen. why should our children first hear about the birds and the bees from Uncles and people around and from the streets and so on. Why can't parents speak to their children about these things? You have moms coming and saying like, oh, I have to talk to my boy about this I have to talk to my boy about the birds and the bees. Oh, what about your husband? Hey, he struggles with that. Oh, he feels so uncomfortable I'm still talking about the superiority and inferiority complex I'm talking about the gap that's there and it's not healthy Amen? And it's affecting deeper levels of community that God wants us to have. You see, community is not just with people your age, community has to happen multi generationally. Amen? Amen? When we don't view people aright, there's often approval addiction, where we're addicted to their approval, not healthy in transactional analysis there's what we call parent child relationships where the two of you are adults but one of you is speaking to the other one like they're a child that messes up community when we talk about deeper community we're talking about a healthy functioning community amen and then we have idolizing of people that's unhealthy ladies and gentlemen amen number 4 one of the things that blocks community is when relationships are non-mutual so in other words you often feel used you feel used how many of you have those friendships where it's one way I see people saying I'm just tired of this person this person drains me so much why it's one way one of the marks of great friendship is that it's two-way isn't it I help you and you help me there's a sense of interdependence if we want to build a healthy community in this church our relationships must be mutual. If you're the kind of person who's always a taker from someone, ask yourself, how can I also be a giver to that person? Because at a certain point, they will feel drained. And a lot of people aren't aware of this. So after a while, they feel like, ha, ah, this community thing, Paul, doesn't work. Because I feel like I'm giving, I'm giving, I'm giving. I'm pouring, I'm pouring, I'm pouring. There was a couple that broke up that I was counseling, not from this church, so don't look around, right? And one of the things that came up is the guy was saying, Paul, I just feel like I was 120 or 140% into this thing. And I felt I was just pouring, 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 but nothing was coming back. One of the marks of great friendships is mutuality. Think about the people who are your best friends. There's a sense of whenever I'm with this person, I feel strengthened, they feel strengthened. Amen? Amen. Please watch your relationships. Are there certain people you're addicted to? Are there certain people you're sucking dry? Are there certain people you are, can I say it, using? I'm telling you right now, that that community won't last. If you've got someone in your life who's always discipling you, always teaching you, always praying for you, from time to time, just pitch up at their house and do something for them and say to them, you know what, I can't teach you too many things spiritually, but you know what, I've seen that your grass is overgrown, can I mow your lawn please? There's a particular small group in a particular country where that is one of the testimonies. The guys went away on holiday and they came back and people in their small group, their home fellowship, had done the garden for them. Isn't that beautiful? That's community, ladies and gentlemen. Who's blessing you in your life? What are you doing for them from time to time? Amen? Number five, oh, let me give you the verse for this. Proverbs 27, verse 17. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Please note, it didn't just say a pastor. Some people think that the only ministry that happens in a church is pastor to congregants. That's not a biblical model, amen? The Bible talks about us as a priesthood of believers. So we each have a priestly ministry, amen? And that's why what I love doing in this church is recommending people who can help people. Because people come to me and they're like, Pastor, can you help me with this? And I try and show them that, you know what, I'm not the only one in this church who can help you. Hey, there's someone I really know and some of them can do a far better job than I can. Amen? These are the type of friends we must have. As iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. Think about the people who you're friends with. Do they sharpen you? Do they sharpen you or do they drag you down if they drag you down maybe you should change your friends nothing wrong with that it's not a marriage amen Amen. maybe you should change your friends ladies and gentlemen I've seen and I'm gonna go to my next point now point number five peer pressure and I talk a little bit about peer pressure one of the things that blocks community is peer pressure you can have peer pressure to take you away from a biblical community. There have been people who've moved away from this community here simply because of peer pressure, where they're friends who aren't really saved or they're semi-saved, if there's anything like that, and they come and they'll be like, but you guys, I know so-and-so in your church and they live a double life, so you guys are hypocrites. And then you believe that, and what happens? You begin to think everyone in church is a hypocrite, and so you give up meeting together, amen? peer pressure. What happens with peer pressure is you end up bent towards man and not straightened towards God. You end up doing the very thing you never ever thought you could do because you want to be accepted by your in-group. It's something I I, I personally don't fully understand it, to be honest with you. Right? Because I'm free of all men. You know, Paul the Apostle said, I'm free of all men. Right? But I, I... I see people in situations they talk to me they confess it and they say Paul you know what I know my future wife doesn't want me to hang out with that crowd because though that crowd they cheat on their girlfriends they do all sorts of things but you know what Paul these are the guys I grew up with they were there for me from way back I can think of a particular situation where there was a particular couple they got divorced but then after a couple of years, they were thinking of reconciling. And I sat with them. They used to work at the same place. I sat with them and tried to see if I could help with the reconciliation. These guys were like soulmates. You know soulmates? There was that deep connection. They were apologizing to each other, saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. But this lady, her dad had been an alcoholic, and she couldn't stand alcohol. And, she would, and this guy had a problem where once a month or so, he would go and yeah drink his life away and I remember speaking to this guy and I said are you willing to change those friends for the sake of this in that very same meeting are you willing to change these friends for the sake of this marriage He says Paul you know what I knew them before her I can't they were there for me I can't so the reconciliation didn't happen amen that's the power of peer pressure Ladies and gentlemen, an unhealthy soul tie, often when we talk about soul ties, we think of the opposite sex, but there are a lot of unhealthy soul ties that people have with the wrong crowds. I have people coming to me saying, you know what, my husband is fine, except for when he's with that person. It's his friends. Then they start blaming the friends. Don't blame the friend. Blame your husband who hasn't got enough backbone to actually say, you know what, you're not good for me, friend. Amen? I'm amazed how, even when it comes to the opposite sex, I'm amazed how a lot of women will be like, "Oh," and they start fighting this other woman who's penetrating situations. And I'm thinking, but your husband should have enough backbone to embarrass this person. Don't embarrass sin be before sin embarrasses you. Amen? Amen? Why don't they have enough backbone to actually say, I am married, go away. Why are you now fighting the other woman? your husband is the one with the issue oh the amens are getting louder and louder hey guys am I gonna have to do back-to-backs today back-to-back counseling you (laughs) don't say it too loudly because we'll start looking at your spouse funny and guys will be fighting now at home afterwards hey your, your hallelujahs and your amens were too loud now what are people thinking of me okay Proverbs 13 verse 20 says he who walks with wise men who's a wise man here Lanston okay so we'll start walking with you Lanston he who walks with wise men will be wise in fact I think Lanston is a good example of that eh? he's a wise guy if people walk with Lanston anyone need a friend just hook up with Lanston he's, he's a wise young man Okay, he who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. In other words, you can't say, Paul, I hang out with fools, but nothing changes in me. No, the Bible says the companion of fools will suffer harm. You become like the people you spend most of your time with. Ephesians 5 verse 11 says do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness So the things we shouldn't participate in but what should we actually do it says but instead even expose them Isn't that powerful? I know yeah, these guys are really bad news. They're bad news, but I won't say anything to my wife (coughs) She'll be offended these guys are bad news Bible here says but instead even expose them Number six Bullying and violence. And he said to me, but Paul, that doesn't belong to the church. We don't see any bullying in the church. There is. There's a lot of aggression that happens in the church. Yeah. We've had fights break out in the church. Yeah, I know it's a number of, it was before your time, I Don't worry about it. It was before your time. <laughs> We've had situations of you know people threatening, like, well, I'm gonna beat you up, I'm gonna beat up. It's happened in churches. With some of the racial issues historically in this country, I know in one big church. Guys were piling into each other there, front rows. Ushers had to come in. And if it doesn't happen within the church, it will happen with the church community. There's a problem there, amen? It can be spirits of violence, but here's the point. Here's the point. People will avoid that which they fear. So if I feel like you're a bully, if I feel, and by the way, you can bully with your words. Some people are very good with their words and they diss people a lot. Whenever you crack a joke with someone, your sense of humor should build up, not tear down. Amen? Your sense of humor should do what? It should build up, not tear down. People will avoid that which they fear. If you're afraid of someone in this church, you'll avoid them. You'll never join their group. That's why some of you, when we say, okay, there's a group starting in such and such an area, the first thing you ask is, who's part of it? Who's there? Because there's some people you're afraid of because their mouth is a weapon, not for God, not for righteousness, but for darkness. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 29, it says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth. Can we make a covenant with God? Let no unwholesome word proceed from my mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification. What is edification? Building people up, right? According to the need of the moment for some of you the need is one thing But you're using your mouth for something completely out of context. It's not what's needed If someone is there saying I need counseling I'm going through this emotional stuff then you start preaching to them about something completely different. You're using your mouth Not for what's needed. Amen According to the need of the moment so that it will give what? It will give grace to those who hear. Are your words giving grace to those who hear? Number seven, the spirit of division. By the way, as we go into the new year we're gonna be going deeper into some of these subcategories, okay? I'm wanting to whet your appetite but the spirit of division is a big blocker when it comes to deeper community. What do I mean by the spirit of division? Well there's some examples, racial prejudice, racial Prejudice. I'm better than you because of my color. You are worse than me and I can't trust you because you're a different skin color to me. Let me just explain something to you. One of the sad things about evolution. Can I go there? What, what, what it did was it actually influenced the spirit of racism. Do you know that before Charles Darwin, people would talk about ethnicity? not about race they would talk about the human race and then they would talk about oh that person is Scottish or this person is Egyptian that's how people were described but at a certain point when the theory of evolution came there was now the belief that some people are more evolved than others can you see how dangerous that is and then so people will see a black person doing something and then they will say one famous musician actually said no they're just not as evolved Are you hearing me? Adolf Hitler. Adolf Hitler was greatly influenced by Charles Darwin. He was greatly influenced by Charles Darwin's theory, and it's just a theory, of evolution. And that's why he wanted to build this Aryan race, which he wasn't actually a part of, according to definition. But, you know, if someone is blonde-haired and very athletic, then they're superior. That was the mindset. Amen? When you look at biblical Christianity, it becomes very difficult to be racist because we all have one ancestor, Adam and Eve. Amen? Amen. So the whole concept of you are from that people and I'm from this people is so unbiblical because we're actually all from one family, one blood. And you know that science has proven that everyone actually comes from one person. If you do DNA tests and so on, it actually shows that it can, everyone can be traced back to a particular woman. So don't be too proud of your whatever it is, fill in the blank. <laughs> and you know what's so nice about my family, and I was telling my kids this yesterday, See, the measure of your love for someone cannot be based on how the person looks, amen? Because here I am, I love my wife so much, different skin color. I love all my kids, they all turned out different. Samuel has got blonde hair, green eyes, Jaden has got curly blonde hair, blue eyes, there must be a recessive gene somewhere in me, right? And, And Daniel sort of has that Samoan look, all right? But the point I'm making is, does that change my love for my kids? You love people based on what they look like. So why, why do we apply it across the board? Like, hey, look at that guy, Nugget, Nugget. Look how dark they are. <laughs> Sorry, I'm going back to my school days. I think some of the most beautiful people in the world are the darkest. Amen. When you actually look at facial structure, everything, you know, just from a, as a pure science. <laughs> anyway, let's not, let's not dwell on that. Now the light-skinned people are like, ah, oh, pastor, what about us? You're screening us. I not say anything about you. I just said some of the most beautiful people in the world are actually the darkest when you look, like if you look at some of those people from certain countries. (laughs) So there's racial prejudice, and we're going to go very deep. We're going to do a whole series on racial, the spirit of racism. Can we do that? B, tribalism. I don't like vendors. I don't like Zulus. Get over yourself very quickly, because you won't survive in the world. C, classism, classism, we're from this class, we live in this neighborhood, we live in that estate. Those are things that will destroy community, ladies and gentlemen. D, chauvinism. Someone asked me the other day, what is chauvinism? When men think they're superior to women, when men look down upon women, when men objectify women, amen and there's also what we call misogyny misogyny is the hatred of women there's some there's some people who hate women and there's misandry you know and you get the word Andrew from the name Andrew okay andro that's man misandry is the hatred of men or boys and sometimes you get to that place because you've been hurt by men and boys amen E, the generational gap the generational gap that's the spirit of division God wants us to love old people God wants old people to love young people amen, amen. Galatians 3 verse 28 to 29 says there is neither Jew nor Gentile now let's really unpack this neither slave nor free nor, they, nor is there male and female For you are all one in Christ Jesus Jesus is your common denominator Jesus is our common denominator amen if you belong to Christ who belongs to Christ here then you are Abraham's seed Abraham is another common denominator of ours because of faith and we're people of faith and we're heirs according to the promise you know what happens often We embrace the spirit of division because of perceived differences. One of the things the spirit of racism does, it actually exaggerates differences. So just because someone is a different skin color, you assume that you've got no common ground with that person. But how many of you know that as you get to know the individual, you realize, wow, we actually can be besties. We can actually be best friends. We've got so much in common. And then you regret the fact that you spent your whole life Thinking they must be so different to me just because of the color of their skin. Just because of the language, their mother tongue. How many of you are Zulu, for example, right? But you are besties with someone who's from a different tribe. Or or, you are Sotho, but you're besties with someone from a different tribe. Isn't that wonderful? Isn't that beautiful? How many of you are besties with someone who's of a different so-called race? I'm gonna unpack that a little bit because the concept is actually faulty. I'll unpack it for you at a certain point. How many of you are besties with someone of a different, let's just say, skin color? And I'm not just talking about a lighter skinned black person if you're black, okay? How many of you are besties with someone like that? Someone, okay? My wife is raising her hand, I know, because of Pastor Vim, okay? I was getting concerned when Vim wasn't raising her hand. I was thinking, ee, my love, you've been screened. (laughs) Vim's hand didn't go up. (laughs) Amen. That's good. That's healthy. And we want to have a diverse church. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 12 verse 13. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, we were all given the one spirit to drink. People say, oh, so Dad, do, what, color, what color blood does that group of people have? Blood is the same color, isn't it? Last time I checked people's blood is, is red. Now if we're believers, the Bible says we all drink of one spirit. When the Holy Spirit fills us, it's not like different Holy Spirit for different people groups, amen? So on the inside, we are the same. We have the same Holy Spirit. As a human being, essentially you're a spirit. You've also got a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions. You live inside a body. As a human being, you're a spirit, soul and body. Amen? And sometimes our identity is too much in how we look on the outside we have problems if you look in the mirror and you don't like how you look then you've got a problem amen Amen. on a day where you're having a bad hair day you've got a problem when you have a breakout of pimples then you have a problem i'm going to preach at a certain point about the inner man the inner person and communing with the holy spirit and how to be more spirit conscious as people you see when we don't walk deeply in the spirit We then struggle to connect with people, as we are only connected naturally. So you see, when I relate to Sean Roberts over there, his skin is a lot lighter than my skin. His hair color is different, right? The thing we have in common is way beyond the fact that we both support the same soccer team. (laughs) Amen? (laughs) He's fine with wearing a shirt written, The Red Devils. I still struggle with that because You know, I'm a pastor and everything, I want to be a good example, okay? But the point is this, when I connect with him, the thing I'm looking most forward to isn't just talking about, oh, Man United, and then Man United, then Man United. We have to go deeper. And so we go deeper, amen? But you see, if you're a fleshly Christian, the only thing you have to talk about with someone else is natural stuff. And then you struggle because you're like, okay, what do I do, but I don't support the same team as this person. What do I do with Theo now? How do I connect with Theo? I don't know if he even watches soccer. Then I can't connect with him because we don't have that thing in common. But if we have Christ in common, what happens? Jesus is our common denominator. Amen? And we talk about Jesus. You see, when you embrace Jesus as the common factor, you can talk about anything to do with Christ. Someone got that. Titus chapter 2 verse 3 to 5 says, Older women likewise are to be reverent in their behavior, not slanderous or addicted to much wine, but teachers of good. In this way, they can train the young women. Now, how do you train someone? You have to know them. You have to connect deeply with them. You can't just train from a distance. Right? You have to unpack certain things. In this way, they can train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self controlled, pure managers of their households. How many of you need training in being a manager of your households? Young women. (laughs) The the young women here. How many of you need help in that area and you'd like an older woman to give to train you? Titus (laughs) 2. Some of the people who are raising their hands are the older people, yeah. <laughs> we'll have to we'll struggle there to find someone older than you to help you. I'm not, I wasn't looking anyway, okay. <laughs> Coming to think of it, a couple of the older women who raised their hands, I'm realizing that with, I'm actually the same age as them. Phew, the church is getting young. <laughs> All right, So, so here's the thing, it says, Training them to be managers of their households, kind and subject to their own husbands, so that the word of God will not be discredited. There can't be generational gaps, ladies and gentlemen. Young women connect with the older ones, please. Older women connect with the younger ones. Let's break the spirit of division. Number eight, relational wounds from betrayal. Relational wounds from betrayal very often we kill and we destroy community because we've been betrayed how many of you have experienced the sting of betrayal in your life it's very sore and i know a lot of people who aren't connecting with other people anymore because of betrayal paul never again paul i've been stung before paul church people church folk (gasps) never again they'll intentionally do business with unsaved people because they've been hurt by christians in the past If that's you, I want to encourage you to forgive. Because you see, when you carry unforgiveness, you then walk in what we call self-protective behavior. I want to protect myself from any hurt, so let me distance myself from people. Are you following me this morning? Sometimes, because of what you've been through in your life, there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of condemnation. And you're like, you know what, I don't want to connect with other people in case they see me for who I really am and I've been judged in the past, I don't want to connect with anyone anymore. And you've blocked yourself from community. Find out, do I need healing this morning? Is that what's stopping me from community? And some of you, the reason you don't go to a small group, you might say, ah, it's the time, Pastor. But it's really the sting of betrayal, if you're honest with yourself. I've had people ask me about this church, and they've said, we just want to come in, be taught Christian things, and go out. Is it okay, can we just do that? We don't want to talk to people. The sting of betrayal. It can cause you to be detached from the people around you. Aloof and distant, never letting anyone in, and robbing yourself of the joy of true intimacy with another human being, amen? How many of you know that you can only be truly emotionally intimate with another human being if there's some degree of vulnerability? If you can't make yourself vulnerable you can't be intimate some of you even in your marriages are struggling with true intimacy please I'm talking about emotional intimacy here I know some of you when I said intimacy you're you're only thinking one thing I'm talking about emotional intimacy because you're struggling to make yourself vulnerable Proverbs 17 verse 9 I want to show you how people have been hurt anyone who overlooks an offense promotes love but someone who gossips separates close friends some of you have been the victim of gossip how many of you here have been the victim of gossip where people have made up stories about you Hey, you don't want to talk to that group of people anymore you've had one bad experience with someone from a particular group and now everyone you've blacklisted I remember someone I coached some time back, and they said, "Paul, I've got trust issues, please can you help me, I've got trust issues. And I said to them, okay, and then I asked them more than two questions deep. And as we got into the conversation, I said, can you see what's happened to you? Because of what two people said to you at high school, now the 200 or so people that you know you don't trust anymore. In psychology, we call it transference. And some of you have done that, you've had bad experiences, bad wounds, and you've transferred them onto everyone around you. Number nine, exhaustion. One of the biggest blocks of going into deeper community is exhaustion. We're just tired. We're peopled out. How many of you feel me on that one? Where you just peopled out? Galatians 6 verse 9 to 10 says, let us not grow weary in well-doing. In other words, we can get tired of doing good things. For in due time, we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Don't get tired of connecting. Don't get tired of bonding. Don't get tired of doing good things. Amen? Amen. And then finally, number 10, you'll like this one. How many of you watch Suits? How many of you watch the TV series Suits? How many of you know Lewis Litt? How many of you know that Lewis Litt struggles with pettiness? Where people are like, Lewis, Lewis, please, just don't be petty okay we struggle watching series because you know then we miss a number of days and so on so we just buy the box set and then we might you know you just go through them but one of the things that blocks a sense of community is pettiness in Romans 14 verse 1 it says accept the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters what's a disputable matter It's something that is not core to the gospel don't quarrel over things that don't matter don't sweat the small stuff don't do second things first keep the main thing the main thing amen don't have big long meetings about things that don't matter when I speak to couples one of the big things that comes up I was speaking to one couple they said our problem is we keep fighting and the problem is when we fight we fight over the smallest thing and I show them that you're triggering each other And often when couples fight, they're just triggering each other, where a small thing becomes a big thing. Amen? So let's get over our pettiness. It blocks a deep sense of community. Amen? Let's pray.